0: I would like to, in our study this morning, to look at a particular passage. It's not an obscure scripture by any means. It's one that we have read many, many times. And sometimes when we read passages of scripture like this, we might just kind of read through them and kind of overlook their significance. But in Matthew 16 and verse 26... Jesus asks a question that's a very profound question. Something that ought to make us just really pause for a moment in our lives and think what was just asked. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul in that passage jesus is likely telling us that that eternal soul that has been placed within us is of great great value it's sad that sometimes people treat their soul In a useless manner. And so this morning I want us to look at that which is more valuable than all the world. And that is your soul. My soul. Our soul. We first need to begin by looking at the design of man. Open your Bible to 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. Here, the Apostle Paul is talking about the outward man and the inward man. He says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, but yet our inward man is renewed day by day. Here we have a, a fit description, if you will. Of human life. We are composed of an outward man. That's our body. And an inward man. Described as the soul. Or the spirit. What about this outward man. That Paul describes here. In 2nd Corinthians 4. It will perish he says. Well the Bible tells us. The Bible is a tabernacle. It's a tent if you please. A tent. And housed within this body. Is that soul. Now, the body as we know it has been made from the dust of the earth and that God, the Bible tells us in Genesis 2 verse 7 that God had breathed into the nostrils of man and man became a living soul, right? The Bible also tells us that at death that the body returns to the dust from which it was taken according to Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 17. I've always kidded my wife when she would Kind of dust out from underneath that bed once in a while. That there was dust underneath that bed, that either somebody's coming or somebody's leaving. You know? Somebody's coming or going. You know, you just don't know. No. But the Bible tells us that as the body as we know it, it is a tabernacle, it's a dwelling place for that soul that's within us. In 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 1, Paul said, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, that's the body. That's the body that he was talking about. The idea is that that body is wearing out. It's running down. It's decaying. It's inevitable. If if you're not experiencing it now, you're going to experience it later on. That's just just the way it works. And uh, hopefully nobody experiences anything worse than it can be. But you remember in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16, where Paul had talked about this outward man, he said that the outward man is wearing out, it's perishing, he says. As opposed to that inward man that is being renewed day by day. Now the body is this tabernacle or tent is bound by the limitations of time, isn't it? It's bound by time. In other words, the body that our soul resides in is not meant to live on planet earth forever. Even planet earth isn't going to be there forever either as well. But rather that this outward man is wearing out that it's subjected to time. Time. Job said, man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of troubles. Right? Job 14.1. You might remember the psalmist in Psalm 90 and verse 10 when he said that the days of our years are three score years and ten and if by reason of strength they be four score years. In other words, you may live to be 70 or 80 years of age. But he said, yet is there strength labor and sorrow for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Here's a question. What side of 70 or 80 are you on? What side are you on? Well, the psalmist said, We may live to be 70. We might live to be 80. Our time here upon earth is accompanied by strength and sorrow and all the things that go with life. But he said, it's going to be soon cut off. And we fly away. Now, in verse 12... He said, so teach us to number our days so that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. The the idea is to understand that we're not built to live here on planet earth forever. That we have to understand that life here is intended to prepare us for the next life. And so there's the outward man, but then there's also the inward man. Man, what is it that sets us apart from the animal kingdom? Well, in the animal world, animals, as you well know, they have a body just as we have, but we have a soul, a spirit, residing within us that they do not possess. Now, the term soul or spirit is sometimes used interchangeably in the scriptures, And what you have to understand is that the soul or the spirit that resides within your biological body, that soul or spirit is intended to live forever. As we already saw in the outward man, it's to perish. It's not to live forever. But that soul that's within us is to live forever, for eternally. Right? The Bible tells us in Hebrews 12 and verse 9, that God is the father of our spirit. We have been made, as Moses said in Genesis 1:26 and 27, in the likeness of God. In the image and the likeness of God. What does that mean? Made in the image and the likeness of God. Well, God is the spirit according to John 4 and verse 24, right? We have a body. God does not possess a physical body. But I think what Moses is saying here is one of the things that he's saying here is that which is distinctive about the human family is that residing within us is an eternal aspect, that soul. It's eternal. We have a dimension, a soul, and a spirit that will live together. God is an eternal Being, isn't he? And so when we come into this world, we have a soul or a spirit that's going to live forever. Death may invade the body. And it might take the life of someone. And though that physical body may give way to death, the soul will continue to live on. Man as Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12:7 goes to his long awaited home that is man going home but the soul is the inward man as Paul described in 2 Corinthians 4 it is the soul that will be one that lives eternally you remember in that chapter when Paul talked about the outward man perishing that he said the inward man is being renewed Day by day? I mean, how is that possible? How how is it possible for the physical body to grow older and become weak, our strength diminishing, our eyesight failing, our hearing going away? How is it possible for the outward man to wear out, but the inward man is renewed day by day? It's strengthened. Well for those who choose to live for God and to grow in grace with God that inner man that soul is prospering it's growing you might remember in 3 John 1 and 2 when John wrote to Gaius and he said the elder unto the well beloved Gaius whom I am I love in the truth beloved i wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Uh, The Greek word there there would be continuing action. Continues to prosper. As long as you live in accordance with God's will. You know, the, the health of Gaius may have been in question. Monetarily speaking, he may not have had a lot, but John said his soul was prospering. He was prospering. And so yes, the outward man compares, but the inward man can grow stronger every day. And so the soul lives on. Let me give you a couple of passages of Scripture along these lines. You know in the book of Genesis 35 the Bible talks about Rachel and of course you know that that she was married to, to Jacob and that they were traveling from, from Bethany to Bethlehem and, and Moses says that she was hard in labor, verse 16. She would give birth to a child by the name of Benjamin, verse 18. Her midwife told her, fear not thou shalt have this son also, verse 17. Moses said, for her soul was departing. Her soul was departing there in verse 18. She's in labor. And what Moses says, parenthetically is that she died. That soul residing within the physical body departed, that it left her. The physical body there. The soul left. And then I think about first Kings seventeen and verse 17 and following. The story is told of a widow who had a son. Elijah had the opportunity to stay with her for a period of time, and she provided for him. And the Bible tells us in that account that the widow's son died. He died. And so she called upon Elijah for help there in verse 18 of 1 Kings 17. Elijah took this child up to his room and he stretched himself out over this child three times. And he prayed to God that his soul might come back to him there in verse 21. And the Bible says that God heard the voice of Elijah And his soul came back to him and he was revived, verse 22. So, here you have the outward man, the body, and the inward man, the soul being pictured. And in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 7, when Solomon talks about death, he said that the body returns to the ground from whence it was taken, the dust, and the spirit to God who gave it. Now that's interesting when you really think about it. In James 2 verse 26 as well. Here's what James said. Underscoring this dimension of man. He said. For as the body without the spirit is dead. So faith without works is dead also. So you have a body. A body and a soul. An inward man. An outward man and an inward man. And so that's the design of man. But let's think for a moment about the destiny of man. The destiny of man. I mentioned a moment ago that sometimes we take for granted the fact that we have an eternal soul residing in our tabernacle, in our body, in our temple. And yet the Bible teaches us that that soul is of great Value. Did you hear that in Matthew 16, 26? It's of great value. It's worth more than the whole world. How do you value your soul? The question might be asked. How do you value your soul? Hmm. Well, I want to begin by talking about the value of your soul to God, to God. Because I think in order for us to appreciate the value of our souls to ourselves, we need to understand just of what great value is it to God. Number one. Now Jesus asks, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus is here saying this, that your soul is worth more than all the world, right? What if you owned everything in the state of Florida? You owned everything in the state of Florida, every single piece of land, every business, every form of of industry belonged to you. You would be wealthy, wouldn't you? I I would. You might not be, but I would. If I owned it all, I'd be wealthy. I'd be wealthy beyond belief. But did you know that Jesus is saying right there that if you own the entire state of Florida your soul is worth more than all of that. And that's just the state of Florida. Then we can go through all the 50 states we can go through all the other countries and so on and so forth. Because he said what? Your soul is worth more than the whole world. altogether." What if you owned everything that this world had to offer? Lock, stock, and barrel, right? Everything belongs to you. Now you know, the Bible says, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You could own the world, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 26. Let's just say that, that this ownership has been transferred into your hand, hands and you own everything that is possible. Everything is possible. Jesus is saying your, your soul is worth more than any of that. Globally speaking. Now I know that's hard to fathom, isn't it? It's hard for me to somewhat wrap my mind around the fact that my soul is worth more than everything or anything in this world has to offer, materially speaking. There is nothing more valuable in the eyes of God than my eternal soul or within my eternal soul. Now, Jesus is trying to get us to think here. You might remember the old uh, balancing scales. You, you, you see them a lot on the, with the lawyers and stuff like that. They get it in their picture and stuff like that. But the balancing scales, it's, it's, it, everything should be within balance, right? Jesus is saying... Your soul needs to be within balance. If you were to put the world on one side and your soul on the other, your soul is so valuable that it would jettison the world right out of this atmosphere. Because there's no balance when it comes to the world and your soul. You know, you put the world on one side, you set it there, and then you put your soul on this side. And there it goes. Because your soul is worth more than that whole world. That's how valuable you are in the eyes of God. I'll try to illustrate it like this. There's a figure of a speech called a, a hyperbole. It really entails an, an exaggeration. Think about it this way. Let's just imagine, and this is all hypothetical, let's just imagine that every single person or on planet earth, lived in such a way so that they never defiled themselves. All right? Sin has not even been brought into the world. They have not defiled themselves. In other words, their lives were above reproach. They lived sinlessly. Now that's hard to understand. It's hard to imagine. But again, for the sake of this illustration, every person that is living today, every person that has lived in such a way so that they're they're sinless, without one exception. But that one exception is you. You transgressed God's law. You have sinned. You're the only one that sinned. I want you to understand that you have violated the law of God because the wages of sin is death. And in Ezekiel 18.20, Ezekiel said, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. You're the only one. It shall die. Let me ask you this question. If you were the only person on planet Earth, we know that there are some 7.5 billion people souls on earth today how many do you think have lived upon planet earth well billions upon billions upon billions of people right and you have all of these people who have lived sinlessly upon the earth and you're the one exception here's the question would Jesus have come lived and died for you yes yes You're the only sinner. No one else needs a Savior, but you do. Would Jesus have come and died for you? The answer is yes. It's hard for us sometimes to put in perspective the value of our souls. For God so loved the world, even if you were the only one that sinned in the world. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5 eight. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died... For us, we think about the world, the billions upon billions of people. Sometimes we get lost among these billions of people and we forget the value of our soul. But what Jesus is saying here is that your soul is more valuable than anything this world has to offer. There is not anything more valuable than your eternal soul. And so if you were the only person to have ever lived, if you were the only person who had ever violated the law of God, Jesus would have come and died for you no matter what. And so what does that say about the value of your soul to God? Well, the Bible says... God that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Romans 8.32 God spared not his son, but freely gave him up for... You can put your name there. When asked the question, how valuable is your soul in the eyes of God? When asked this question, how valuable is your soul to you? Well... You see, it's based on how you treat your soul that says a lot about your destiny. The destiny of man. Here's a very pointed question. Where will you be for eternity? Where will you be? I I know what you're thinking in your mind. You're thinking you're going to heaven. And that you're going to live with God forever and ever and ever. And I, I pray God that's the case. But sometimes we live carelessly. Sometimes in our heart of hearts we had the idea that we will somehow beat father time. Somehow we will get things in order before the end time comes. Well, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I know that what the Hebrew writer wrote is true, that it is appointed unto man once to die, then cometh the judgment, Hebrews 9, 27. I understand we're all going to die at one time or another. Sometimes we have the idea that we will somehow beat death. Then we will get things in order before that time comes or before death intervenes. And that time that's coming, I'm talking about when Jesus comes. We think we're going to have the opportunity to make things right before that time comes. You don't know that. You don't know that. It doesn't work that way. So, how much do you value your soul? Is your soul guided by the truth of God? And by that, I mean, are you using this book as your roadmap, as your guide to get you home to God? The psalmist said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a, lamp, a light unto my path, Psalm 119, 105. The only book that I know that will safely direct you. And direct your steps here upon planet earth to heaven is this book. There is no other book. God's word. The only book the psalmist said that he meditated on this book day and night. Psalm 1 verse 2. And so is your life. Is your soul being guided by the truth of God? Here's the second question. Is your soul guarded by the truth of God? Notice Solomon in Proverbs 4 and verse 23. He makes an an interesting statement here. He says, Keep or guard thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now think about your soul. Is it not the case that we ought to guard our soul with all diligence? With vigilance? That we are to recognize that housed within this body is an eternal soul that will live forever and ever and what we want to do is to make sure that we live in such a way so that we avoid anything that would, be, that would corrupt or destroy this soul from being able to live forever and ever in heaven. But then here's the third question. Is your soul grounded in the truth of God? God. When Jesus gave the great commission, he said to go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the world. We're to teach them to observe all things, he said. The process of living the Christian life is one of growth, isn't it? Peter said, 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What I'm trying to do is ground my life in God's holy word, a sure, solid foundation. When you think about people building a house, they pour a foundation first, don't they? And what the Bible is telling us is that we want to have a good, solid foundation to build our lives and that's God's holy word that's our sure steadfast solid foundation we will either ground our lives in God's word or we'll do it by man's word but we need to get back into God's word so how much do you value your soul well you may say I want to go to heaven I hope you do And I appreciate that. I want you to go to heaven. God wants you to go there too, right? But maybe you haven't obeyed the gospel. Do you believe that Jesus is the son of the living God? You You might even be the one that would tell your friends and neighbors, well, Jesus is the only way. But yet you haven't done it yourself. Why is that? I want you to think about your soul this morning. I want you to think about that soul that's eternal that's going to live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and times infinity. Where will it be for eternity? In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is a gate and broad is the way that leads unto destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is a gate and narrow is the way that leads unto life, and few there be that find it. How do you value your soul even this morning? If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, willing to make a change in your life, you maybe not have been reflected on your soul, but now you realize, I need to make a change. I can't be the same old person I was before. I need to be a new person. And by that, I will make that good confession of the sweet name of Jesus and be baptized in that watery grave for the remission of my sins so that I can be a child of God, a Christian, in hopes that my soul will be in heaven with God in Christ eternally. You might be here already a child of God. Maybe you haven't really realized your soul because sometimes we get caught up in the ways of this world. We need to think about our soul. You know that last part of Matthew sixteen twenty says, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Could it be drugs? Alcohol? Fornication? We can just go down the list. Whatever it might be. Are you willing to exchange your soul for that? I hope not. And by a child of God, you can repent and pray that God will forgive you and we'll be here with you and pray with you as well. Won't you come as together we stand in sing?